official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Adam, and before you listen to this fabulous brand new episode, I have breaking news that I have to share with you, which is that we are returning to the studio. Yes, Saturday, July 4th at 11 a.m. Eastern, we will be live for the first time since the coronavirus apocalypse. DNR Studios are reopening. Um, Derek and Romaine have done everything to make it a clean, sterile, safe environment, and we are so excited to be going back. So on Saturday, July 4th at 11 a.m. Eastern, if you are a DNR Studios subscriber, and you should be, listen live beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern and call us. We can take your phone calls and we're going to want to hear from you at 844-825-5367. So put a note in your calendar, your iCal, your Android, whatever the fuck you use to remember things that you need to tune in on July 4th at 11 a.m. Eastern 2020 to hear our first live post-coronavirus episode. Thank you. Now enjoy episode 145. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Come on, brand new merch bumper. Yes, happy Pride and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June uh, 20th... No, that's not right. Saturday, June 27th is when you'll be listening to this. In the year of the coronavirus apocalypse at dnrstudios.com, <clears throat> excuse me, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs, leave me, me, your ratings and reviews, wherever you listen to this thing, email me questions, comments, dick pics, anything you want at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, donate to my AIDS Walk page. Uh, listen, important, if you're listening after July 1st, you better go to podcastawards.com and nominate the Adam Sank Show in the Feast of Fools Fun LGBTQ category. Please, 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 I beg you. And make sure to get your official ass merch. Go to adamsank.com. We have shirts, tank tops, mugs, coronavirus masks, iPhone cases, and pillows. That's just a smattering of the merch. Also, you guys, as of today, we have some brand new shirt styles. We have one that says, this is fuckery. Uh, our, that's our ode to JB. Uh, we have one that says highly indecent, or highly offensive and indecent, like Simon, our announcer, says at the top of every show. And we have one that just says celebrate pride. So remember that these come in all different colors, sizes, styles. There's hoodies. There's, you know, really play around on the site because um, there's a lot of cool stuff. Go to adamsank.com for all that stuff. Once again, any Black Lives Matter merchandise, uh, I'm not making any money from that. I'm just selling it from my store, and all commissions will be donated to Black Lives Matter's Black Lives Matter organizations. Today... Uh, we have LGBTQ activist Charlotte Clymer, who has not been on the show in two years. I'm thrilled to have her back. And there is a lot to talk to her about this week. This has been a crazy and monumental week for LGBTQ rights. And we will talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, Ryan is not with me today. Unfortunately, he is traveling. 
and was not able to phone in his RuPaul's Drag Race recap, so you will have to suffer without it and without him, and I, I'm sorry for that. Um, but I will start out by giving you my recommended viewing for the week. Um, I'm going to recommend Seinfeld's latest special, special on Netflix. Let me get to Seinfeld in a second, you guys. I just have to come clean about something. I'm a little fucked up right now. I, um, I had my usual RuPaul's Drag Race all-star crew over last night to watch the show, and one of my friends, who shall remain nameless, but it rhymes with schmooper schmuggless, um, gave me a tiny little square of marijuana-infused dark chocolate. Now, I've never been a big edibles girl, and that's partially because I hate not knowing how much I'm taking, how long it's going to last, when it's going to hit me, and so forth. This thing got me so fucked up. I was still wide awake at 2 in the morning. I had to take a Xanax. Then, you know, I got up at 8, and I'm still pretty fucked up. I don't feel right. So I'm having a hard time speaking, having a hard time reading. But, um, you know, whatever. I commit to doing this at 11 a.m., and that's what I'm going to do. So um, just bear with me. Anyway, back to Seinfeld. So I've always admired Jerry Seinfeld as a comedian. He's one of the greats. But I've always enjoyed his TV show more than his stand-up. The stand-up to me was always very smart and original and very well-delivered and well-written, but it didn't necessarily make me laugh out loud. Um, His latest special makes me laugh out loud in a lot of places, particularly towards the end. It's only an hour long. He really is a master um, of stand-up, and... This was obviously recorded before the shutdown uh, at the Beacon Theater in New York. So I recommend it. It's fun. Uh, if you've got an hour to kill, watch the Jerry, Sein- Jerry Seinfeld special. Okay. <laughs> I really don't feel right doing this right now. Um, all right, let me open the iPad stories. Okay, so we are going to start with this historic thing that just happened over the past week. Um, And by the way, I'm sorry that the air conditioning is so fucking loud, but there's nothing I can do about it. Okay, this past week, the Supreme Court banned workplace discrimination against LGBTQ people. That's the first time that's ever happened. They basically interpreted uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited sex discrimination, um, to mean also not just discrimination against being a man or a woman, but also discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. This was the case that Donald Trump and his administration had fought uh, to, they, they were on the side of, of not giving us equal rights in the workplace. They were on the side of, yes, someone should be fired, uh, they should, an employer should have the right to fire someone just for being uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Um, the opinion that overturned that, that basically overturned workplace discrimination was six to three, with not one but two of the conservative justices voting for our rights. One of them, John Roberts, wasn't a huge shock. The other one, Neil Gorsuch, was. Neil Gorsuch is one of Donald Trump's two nominees, the other one being accused rapist Brett Kavanaugh. Gorsuch was supposed to be the hero of the far right. He was supposed to be the next... Uh, Scalia. And uh, lo and behold, he wrote the majority opinion saying no. Uh, Obviously, uh, he's what's called a textualist. 
and we'll be talking to Charlotte Clymer more in detail about this because she knows about this stuff better than I, but basically he, he believes in interpreting the literal words of the law. And he says you cannot not define sex to mean both sexual orientation and gender because if I'm married to a man and you fire me because of it, well, then you're basically firing me for being a man because if a woman was married to a man, you wouldn't fire her for that reason. Therefore, you're singling me out for my sex. You see how tricky that is. Um, it's even more obvious when it comes to trans people, and this is really uh, as much of a landmark case th as this is for, for LG lesbians, gay men, bisexuals, basically any kind of queer person. It's particularly a victory for trans people. It basically defines um, transgender as being a legally protected gender, which of course it should be. So we'll be talking to Charlotte more in depth about this, but I, being an, a history nerd and someone who has really paid very close attention my whole life to LGBTQ uh, history as, as far as it involves the Supreme Court, I discovered an article called Nine Landmark Supreme Court Cases That Shaped LGBTQ Rights in America. And uh, you know I love uh, lecturing, and you know that I love a list. So here we go. We're just going to whip through these. I think these are all worth knowing about. I think if you're a queer person, no matter how old you are, um, you should know about these things because they affect your life every single day. The first is something called One Inc. versus Olson back in 1958. I just learned about One. One was the earliest um, homosexual magazine. In fact, it was called One, the homosexual magazine. It started in 1953. Um, by a publisher who was with the Los Angeles chapter of the Mattachine Society, an early gay rights group. And basically, it was, um, the, the, the magazine was banned for being obscene, but the Supreme Court tossed out a lower court's ruling and said that uh, material aimed at a gay audience was not inherently obscene. And basically, if it weren't for that decision, there would have been no LGBTQ publications um, after 1958, there, or they would have been illegal. They would have been underground. So that led to, uh, you know, the Advocate and the New York Native and all of the other uh, queer periodicals that were so important to the community, particularly in the days before everybody was out. Um, so that was an important one. Number two, Baker versus Nelson back in 1972. This is the first time the Supreme Court took on the question of marriage equality. Um, a gay couple basically sued for the right to get married. Um, the Supreme Court dismissed the case. They said it did not warrant, it, 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 they dismissed it for want of a substantial federal question. Um, so basically that would be the law of the land, no marriage equality for the next 40 plus years. Number three, I remember, I was 15, it was Bowers versus Hardwick in 1986. This is a terrible Supreme Court decision in which the court decided that sodomy laws were perfectly legal and constitutional. In a five to four ruling, Byron White, who was supposed to be a, a liberal, wrote against a background in which many states have criminalized sodomy and still do to claim that a right to engage in such, in such conduct is deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty is at best facetious. This was a terrible decision. 
and it basically meant that states could continue to charge and arrest people for having sex, having consensual sex. Um, in 1996, you had Romer versus Evans. This was important because this was at a time when Colorado uh, and other states were basically trying to single out gay people and say, um, no laws protecting gay people may be passed in this state. And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You can't single out one group to take away their rights. So that was a, a key decision. Number five, the Boy Scouts of America versus Dale. Uh, this was about a scout leader who was expelled for being gay. Um, a decision, five to four decision, basically decided that the Boy Scouts had not violated uh, the New Jersey anti-discrimination law. Um, they said that forcing the scouts to readmit Dale would violate their First Amendment rights to freedom of association. It wasn't until 2013 that the Boy Scouts finally decided to end its ban on gay scouts, um, but still maintained its ban on adult, uh, gay adult scout leaders. Number six was a huge case. Probably, I would say this one, uh, marriage equality and the one that just happened this week are the three most important for us. But but this was huge. Lawrence versus Texas, 2003, overturned Bowers versus Hardwick and said, no, you can't charge two people under some sodomy law for having consensual sex. And why this was important is because once you decriminalized gay sex on a federal level, then you could no longer... Uh, Basically, it was a lot harder to discriminate against someone. Before, you could say, well, I'm firing this guy because he's a criminal. In other words, he's having gay sex. He has a, he has a boyfriend, he has a partner, he has gay sex. Therefore, he's a criminal. He's breaking sodomy laws. Well, that, that ended in 2003. Then in 2013, of course, was the United States versus Windsor, which established marriage equality as the law of the land. And then the last major one before the one this week was a shitty one. It was in 2018, just a couple years ago, when uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop um, sued the Colorado Civil Rights Commission because Masterpiece was one of these Christian bakers, so-called Christian bakers, that did not want to make wedding cakes for gay couples. And the Supreme Court upheld that in a 7-2 to two decision, which means two of the liberals voted uh, against gay rights. Um, they, this was all about, you know, so-called religious freedom and so forth. And it's a shitty decision. But what's interesting is how or if the decision from this past week is going to affect Masterpiece Bake Shop. I'm going to ask Charlotte about that. I have a feeling she's going to know. Meanwhile, this next story is going to piss you off. It pissed me off. This is, uh, happened in Nebraska. So... Nebraska's pretty reliably Republican, but it's a crazy time right now, and you never know who's going to win an election. And 2020, there's a good chance that Democrats could pick up Senate seats. Well, here's what happened in Nebraska. The Democrat, Chris Janicek, is openly gay. He won the primary, and now he's being asked to step down and drop out of the race. He's being asked to do this by the Democratic Party. Why? A couple reasons. First of all, he texted a group of people, a group of his staffers, uh, and discussed a female staffer. He said, quote, do you think the campaign should spend some, t um, wait a minute. 
Okay, he, he sent a group asking everyone if he should use campaign funds to have a female staffer gang banged. He said, do you think the campaign should spend some money on getting her laid? It will probably take three guys. Then he described in vivid detail exactly what, did he, what he wanted the men to do to her, saying one in the mouth and one in, one in the mouth, one in the ass, and one in the vajayjay. He followed that up apologizing for a typo, not apologizing for the text, but apologizing for a typo. A short while later, he sent another text saying his original text had been out of line. The woman he targeted in the texts responded, as a woman who stands up beside other women, I can't just pretend that didn't happen. I cannot support your campaign after what you have said. I have integrity, morals, and values, but most of all, I have self-respect for myself and fellow women. So already people, and, and by the way, it sounds like she and he had had some kind of personal conversation where they were joking with each other about how she needed to get laid, which is something you do with coworkers, right? I have inappropriate conversations with my coworkers one-on-one -on -one all the time. But what I don't do is I don't send a group text then referring to that private conversation that I had with one person. He, he clearly uh, doesn't have any boundaries and doesn't just make terrible decisions. So I was all set to do this story today and then it turns out that Chris Stanisek is also accused of making extremely racist comments. Peggy Jones, who's an associate professor at the University of Nebraska Omaha, told the New York Times that at a mutual friends party in Omaha about 20 years ago, while she was waiting in line to get food, Mr. Janicek turned to another person and said something like, who's the blank over there? He used a variation of a slur and indicated Ms. Jones. I'm not going to say what the slur was, but it rhymes with piglet. She said she had never heard that before. Um, her account of this was corrobor corroborated by three people, one of whom was at the party and said he heard the remark himself, and two of whom remember Ms. Jones being upset about it. In a response to a description of Ms. Jones's allegation, Mr. Janicek said, none of the story you presented is true. I do not know these women, nor have I ever met them. I'm denying all accusations. This guy needs to sit the fuck down and get out of the race. It's just so embarrassing that he's a Democrat and a gay man. He cannot, cannot be our nominee, um, be the Democratic nominee for Senate uh, in this race. He just can't. He's got to get out and get out now. Told you it would piss you off. Where's my bell? I feel like I'm just rambling incoherently at this point. Meanwhile, we have a Leah Michelle is mean update. Now, when I listened back to last week's episode where I premiered, I debuted the bumper, I realized it was way too fucking loud. So now I'm going to step back from the mic to sing the bumper. She starred on TV's Glee for six long seasons. Her castmates hated her for many reasons. But now they're speaking out. Leah Michelle's a bitch. Thank you so much. That sounded terrible. Anyway, um, this week, it's beauty industry insiders who are speaking out about Leah Michelle's alleged toxicity. Um, the actress, uh, as you know, has been caught up in a storm of damning headlines lately. One beauty pro told Page Six in the New York Post that after Michelle was signed to be the face of L'Oreal in 2012 for an estimated $1 million, one of her duties was a short interview about her beauty routine, and she stormed out in the middle of it. 
The source claimed all the questions and answers were agreed on in advance. She just had to answer five questions on camera and then, you know, talk about her hair routine. But two questions in, she stood up, said she was done, and walked out, leaving everyone there in shock. The head of L'Oreal asked if she was coming back, and her mother said, no, she's not. Representatives for both uh, Leah Michelle and L'Oreal did not respond for a request for comment, but the Post reported that the actress, who is seven months pregnant, is listening to the wake-up call. She hears what everyone says and wants to apologize. I didn't know she was seven months pregnant. That makes me feel kind of bad. I mean, you know, she's arguably a terrible person. There seems to be overwhelming evidence of that, but for all this to be coming out and for you to be getting trashed in all these headlines, when you're living under a pandemic and you're seven months pregnant, like it's gotta be a little bit stressful. So I do wish her baby well, and I hope she you know, stays healthy and has a, has a successful, healthy delivery and all that. But clearly she needs to work on herself a lot. You know, I was going to do a, a racist roundup this week since that is our newest segment, aside from the Leah Michelle is Mean segment. And Instead, instead of celebrities being fired for being racist this week, there was a pervnado update. Um, it seems like the Me Too movement has suddenly come roaring back. And uh, so I'm going to ask JB here to play the pervnado siren. And uh, I'm going to tell you what's going on. First of all, Danny Masterson, who starred in that 70s show, has been charged with raping three women. He's accused of raping the women between 2001 and 2003. He's charged with three counts of rape by force or fear, faces a maximum sentence of 45 years to life in prison if convicted. In a statement, Masterson's lawyer says he and his wife are in complete shock and that these nearly 20-year-old allegations have resulted uh, in charges. You know, these stories have been around for a long time, obviously, and the, the bigger story here is that Masterson is a prominent member of the Church of Scientology, as were the alleged victims. And these victims and their families have been trying to get justice for 20 years. And according to numerous reports, and I encourage you to go online and read about this, it's too complex for me to go into here, but numerous reports state that the Church of Scientology not only did everything it could to cover up the rapes, but um, basically went after the victims, tried to discredit and shame the victims and their families. This is something that Scientologists are famous for. Anytime one of their uh, prominent members or the church itself is threatened in any way, they, they go on the warpath against whoever it is that's trying to blow the whistle or bring accusations or bring charges. Um, it is a really sick, dangerous cult that should be shut down and certainly should not be given nonprofit status. If you've ever watched Leah Remini, any of her specials about Scientology, and she was, she was one of the biggest Scientologists ever. She was in there for years. She was like a John Travolta level member. And the stories that she tells are horrifying. I don't know why no one's done anything about this yet. I, I really think that like Congress needs to hold hearings. But in any case, Masterson is now going to be um, defending himself or, or being defended against these very serious rape allegations. Meanwhile, comedian Chris D'Elia, who I don't, I mean, I don't know him personally, and I wasn't so familiar with his work 
I knew his name. I remember him from being on a couple different sitcoms. I had no idea that he had 1.1 million Twitter followers. So he's a pretty successful dude. Anyway, he's been uh, accused by multiple women of sexually harassing and or grooming them when they were underage. This goes back to, you know, going back 10 years or so when Chris was in his 30s and he would go around the country doing shows and young fans would sometimes reach out to him and a lot of times they made clear that they were 16 or 17 and he would say like, hey, this is all alleged, but he would say like, hey, come to my hotel room or do you have any nude photos and would basically be soliciting uh, sexual imagery you know, basically engaging in sex talk with people he knew to be under 18. Um, ironically, he starred in season two of You on Netflix. That's a show called You. He played a comedian who sexually abuses teenage girls. And on a Comedy Central series, Workaholics, he portrayed a pedophile who pursues young boys. So people are pointing out the weirdness and irony of that. But... Um, he has denied it. He says, I know I've said and done things that might have offended people during my career, but I've never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point. So he's kind of, it's kind of looking like he's canceled. The receipts are overwhelming. I mean, so many women came forward. So we will see whether or not he has a career going forward. Um, meanwhile, porn star Tanner Reed is accusing Dominic Ford, the owner of Just for Fans, of sexual assault. I told you it was a really big week for me, too. Uh, on Sunday, June 14th, Reed posted a lengthy account of his version of events to social media. Um, basically, this is about the two of them hooking up and sort of starting to hang out. But then over time, uh, Ford allegedly starts pressuring Reed into sex. Reed says he wanted to fuck me, and I told him no, and he continued pressuring me trying to convince me over and over, saying how he wasn't that big, it would only be the head, just for a second, etc. After repeatedly telling him that I didn't want to do anal, he slid the head into me anyway. At that point, I stopped fighting and let it happen. Later that night, Reed alleges that a group of gay guys headed out bar hopping, and on his way home, he messaged a model he'd, be, he'd been flirting with in the daytime to come over, and that's when Ford's attitude toward him completely changed. Um, it caused a tense atmosphere on the way back to the hotel. He sent both young men extremely upset messages, scaring the model away due to his position in the industry. Um, you know, Ford, Dominic Ford, has his own Just for Fans account. He's not just the owner of the site. He also is, does his own porn. And he's posted a number of videos with younger models, although as of Tuesday the 16th, only one more a model has come forward to accuse him of mental abuse and pressuring him into having sex. So we shall see how this develops, but I have to imagine there's a lot of this that goes on in the porn and sex worker industry. You know, there's just, there's no protections set up for these people. And you've got young people um, in positions where they are vulnerable with older and or richer people who have power over them, who have uh, influence over them. And especially if you've already voluntarily had sex with someone who is essentially your boss, it's hard to then be like, mm, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not into you anymore. So, which is why, by the way, if you're a boss, you should never fuck your employees, even if they beg for it. It's just not a good idea.
Meanwhile, in Texas, two gay bars have shut down again after multiple staff tested positive for COVID-19. You know, here in New York City, the coronavirus hit us very hard and very early. We were like coronavirus capital. And our governor and the mayor of New York, they both took it very seriously and immediately shut down everything. And I mean everything. This place was like a fucking ghost town for a couple months. And it was terrible. It was hard. And everybody was isolated and everybody was wearing masks all the time. And it, it, was, it was not easy. But you know what? It was hugely successful. We went from having the most new cases and the most new deaths in the country to the least, which is where we are now and which is why we're now able to start phase two of reopening here in New York City this coming Monday. But in other parts of the country, particularly in red states with Republican governors, they've acted like this is not a real thing, that this virus doesn't exist, that science isn't real, that we're all overreacting. And of course, they're taking their cues from uh, President Trump who refuses to wear a mask and who constantly disseminates disinformation and misinformation about this virus. So places like Texas and Florida have either, you know, not followed the rules or or followed them in in a really half-assed way. And now, as a result, Christopher Barry, the owner of one of the bars, took to Facebook to explain the situation. His venue, Buddies, had reopened May 22nd following the lifting of restrictions Eager customers quickly returned to take advantage of the bar's regular regular events, such as its popular steak night. <laughs> when was the last time you went to your local gay bar for some good steak? He said 20 out of 27 employees uh, that they had pre-lockdown, only nine were able to return to work when the bar reopened, and five of those people have now tested positive for COVID-19, including Barry himself. Um... The other place was Blur Bar, uh, who posted a message saying, we value the safety of all of our customers, and accordingly, we've decided to close the club for up to two weeks due to some some members of our staff having tested positive for the coronavirus. So the moral of this story is, don't reopen until you're ready, and take this shit seriously. If every state had done what New York had done for as long as we've done it, the virus would pretty much be gone from the United States at this point. Now, we in New York are freaking out that people from Florida and Texas and other parts of the country are going to come here and bring the virus back with them because we finally got rid of it. Very, very frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, Hold on. Scott Hernandez is texting me. Let's see what he has to say. Um, I'm literally answering him while you guys wait because that's how I roll okay wow I'm almost at the end of my stories and it's only 11.30 alright I'll try to take my time on this one so uh, Tyra Sanchez is back in the news um, we had a number of weeks in a row where we were discussing Tyra Sanchez on this show I want to say it was about a year ago um, James Ross is Tyra's real name. He took to social media uh, to ask Drag Race fans to, quote, forget me. He said, when will you faggots, this is a quote, when will you faggots learn I do what I want, not what you want me to do? You act as though this comes from nowhere. Every morning I wake up to your racist hate and I say nothing. I block you and keep moving. Today I have time. 
I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of white people leaving comments on my page, inboxing me hate every single goddamn day. And don't fucking tell me there are more important issues to discuss right now when I haven't been screaming those important issues for the last 10 years while you continue to send your racist hate daily. And FYI, RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race, and World of Wonder have been silent for years about, about Black Lives Mattering. Oops, that's Charlotte. Hold on. Our guest today is a leading advocate and activist for LGBTQ people and causes. She's also a favorite of the ass and is making her triumphant return to the podcast after two long years. Please give a warm-ass welcome back to Charlotte Clymer. I'm so good. Thank you so much for talking to us today. First of all, how are you and where are you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm in D.C. right now, uh, and I've been remote working for months, as has has most people. Uh, But i got to tell you, this week has been the fresh breath of optimism I think we all needed. Yes! Uh, I mean, just, just wonderful week. Let's talk about the decision itself. I know that you're not a lawyer, but you do play one on TV. What what exactly has changed for LGBTQ folks this past Monday? What changed when the court handed down this ruling? So there's good news and bad news. Um, you know, the, the good news is that Title Seven of the Employment uh, of the um, Civil Rights Act uh, formally. Um, sorry, let me let me back up. Um, is this? Are you able to edit this? No, go ahead. Just keep going. You're, it's all right. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Okay, okay, yeah, I apologize. Um, okay, so the case had to deal with Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and whether or not sexual orientation and gender identity were um, recognized as protected from discrimination. Right. And so what the case did, um, or what the joint cases did really, but it's a joint opinion, is that they protect LGBTQ people from employment discrimination, which is great. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. So... In the U.S. moving forward, no LGBTQ person can be denied employment or fired because they're LGBTQ. Here's the bad news. There are so many other areas of public life that it's still legal to discriminate against LGBTQ people in most states. Sure. So in housing, in insurance, in health care, um, we were just talking a few minutes ago about the Masterpiece Bake Shop. You can still be turned away as a customer you can be denied services. All of these things still remain uh, the law of the land. But you. But what's different now is I can't be fired from my job for being gay. You can't be fired from your job for being trans or gay. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. But, you know, uh, your, your children can still go to schools where they don't have access to appropriate um, uh, facilities that correspond to gender identity. Um, you know, uh, uh, children based on sexual orientation and gender identity can still face discrimination. Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't. I can't hear you. I'm not saying anything. Go ahead. You're doing great. Oh, there's like a, there's like a weird muffling uh, or kind of dialogue. Oh, anyway. Um, so, you know, people can still face discrimination in healthcare, like you said, be denied housing, be denied public accommodations, be denied credit, uh, be denied the right to proper jury service. Uh, so, you know, across the board, there's still so many other things that people um, face discrimination in for being LGBTQ. Charlotte, what do you make of Neil Gorsuch, Trump's nominee, who was supposed to be this right-wing nightmare, he was going to be the new Scalia, 
not only siding with the majority in this decision, but writing the, the opinion? Okay, well, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Um, so Milt Gorsuch is, a, is famous for his textualism. And, and textualism in legal terms is literally taking the text of the law at face value as opposed to interpreting law based on what you think the intent of the people who wrote it. Right. Right? So he has to look at, he had to look at this, uh, you know, at this clause, you know, sex, sex discrimination as a protected class in the Civil Rights Act, and he had to go with how, you know, basically every other federal court had interpreted, um, you know, discrimination against LGBTQ people uh, over the last two decades. So he, he had to stick with his judicial philosophy, and if he didn't, he was going to look pretty damn silly moving forward. And yet, I mean, you know that these justices can twist themselves into logistical pretzels all the time. I mean, Clarence Thomas has no problem writing opinions that make absolutely no legal sense and have no legitimacy. It seems like, at the very least, Gorsuch does have some principles. Yes, it does. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a ton about Neil Gorsuch as a person or his history, um, but I will tell you that I think that this was like one, like one of those cases where he just couldn't get out of it. Like he couldn't wiggle himself out of this decision based on his uh, past judicial record. And same for Roberts, for that matter, who who is also a firm believer in sexualism. Kavanaugh, you know, quite frankly, he tried to wiggle himself out of it based on his sexualism philosophy, and he looked really, really silly doing it. Yeah, and of course, Kavanaugh turned out to be every bit the douchebag that we knew that he was. Um, and uh, I retweeted your tweet about Susan Collins, who promised us that he would be an advocate of LGBTQ rights. Yes, or at the very least, at the very least, that he wouldn't oppose LGBTQ rights. And he, he clearly threw that out the window. Not even, I, I expected Kavanaugh to, well, no, actually, I didn't expect Kavanaugh. I thought, best case scenario is that Kavanaugh would uphold sexual orientation but not gender identity because he talked a really big game about following Kennedy's footsteps as far as LGBTQ rights go. And, of course, he, you know, just, you know, failed everyone's expectations on that part. I want to just ask you for a moment about your personal feelings as as a trans woman because if, if I'm understanding this decision correctly, this seems to be an even bigger victory for trans folks than it does for uh, gay, lesbian, or bisexual folks. Do you, do you feel that way? Are you, is there part of you that thinks like, wow, this is a real watershed moment for us? Yes, I absolutely feel that. I, I think that that is, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways from this decision, this is the first time the Supreme Court has codified transgender rights in our law. Yeah. Like this is now an, it, it, this is now an irreversible precedent for trans people. We cannot be fired from our jobs moving forward. Congress cannot make a law allowing. State legislatures cannot do that. And it also builds a foundation for further cases to come along in which trans people will be protected. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think this is up. And I, and, and I do hold probably the somewhat controversial view that this is probably bigger than the same-sex marriage case. I think so, too. Just because there are so many more millions of people impacted directly. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a husband, but I do have a job. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I probably will never get married, but I would like to keep working uh, until I retire. And so now 
the fact that I can, and and like you said, the fact that that transgender as a as a concept has been legitimized now by the Supreme Court, whereas you know the the far right wants to pretend that it's a mental illness or that it's a choice or that it's anything other than a legitimate gender identity and gender expression. They can't do that anymore. Um, I, I was really amazed by that and, and excited. And also, Charlotte, why does it seem like these major decisions about gay rights are always handed down during Pride Month? Is that on purpose? I, I wonder the same thing. Um, I think it just happens to be the, um, the interesting way that June is always the end of the Supreme Court term, or usually the end of the Supreme Court term, and it happens to be Pride Month. Uh, but, you know, we, we never get these decisions in, like, December, you know? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, listen, it's a welcome, especially when they're good decisions, it's like, woohoo, you know, it's a fun thing to celebrate in an otherwise dismal Pride Month. Um, Charlotte, you wrote an, uh, an article for Cosmo after the decision came down, and you said that while we should celebrate this victory, the fight is far from over. You already mentioned the areas in which we can still be legally discriminated against. What is the Equality Act, and why is it so important that it get passed? I am so glad you asked. So, all those other things we mentioned earlier in the show, like, you know, uh, discrimination in housing, public accommodations, credit, and that's against all of LGBTQ people, that would be significantly solved with passage of federal non-discrimination protections. And we have a bill to do that. It's called the Equality Act. And it would make discrimination against LGBTQ people illegal at the federal level, which would make it illegal everywhere, quite frankly. Um, and... This would solve so many of the issues that LGBTQ people deal with in the public square. And here's the, here's the best part. It already has passed the House in a bipartisan vote. It has enormous support from Americans generally. Something like 70% of Americans support the Equality Act, including almost half of Republicans. So this is just extremely popular legislation. And the only reason it hasn't you know, been ushered into law is because Mitch McConnell refuses to bring it to the Senate for a floor vote. And Trump has come out against it. So we have to beat Trump, and we have to take back the Senate in November. And when we do that, the Equality Act will be passed. By the time this episode airs, Joe Biden may have already chosen his running mate. Whom would you like to see him choose, and why? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. Well, uh, uh, so... God, I got a bit. I, I'll, I'll try to keep this short. I will. I support Elizabeth Warren very strongly during the primaries. I thought she would be the absolute best choice for president, and I still believe she would make a phenomenal president. Here's the good news: we have no shortage of great options for buying to choose. We have an, we have just a number of amazing women. I do strongly feel that it would be a very bad look to have an all-white ticket. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, people of color are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Uh, and, you know, we need to stop having, you know, this predominance of white leadership in our party. Uh, Kamala Harris, I think, should be Biden's choice. Interesting. Now, I love Kamala, but my fear about Kamala is that her background as a very tough state attorney general is going to come back and haunt her at a time when there's such strong anti-police sentiment, uh, and I, I don't know that she enjoys the full-throated support of everyday black Americans who are so essential in this voting block. 
Well, I can't speak for black Americans. Um, Nor can I, I. I wouldn't presume to do that. But, you know, what I will say is that she is a black woman in this country, which means that she does have the, um, you know, experience that is, you know, not uh, uh, attuned to white Americans. Right. Um, and I think an all-white ticket would just be a, a not great thing to have right now. We, we need to have a diverse ticket that uh, reflects the, uh, the, the composition of our party. I agree 100 percent. I'm just not sure Kamala gets him victory. I, I, I'm a little more excited about Stacey Abrams because I think that her story and her history and also her, her main cause, which is fighting voter suppression, um, is so resonant right now. I think she's sort of, to me, like the, she would be the candidate of the moment, um, whereas Kamala would be a great candidate any year, you know, in any election. But, but I feel like right now, maybe Stacey Abrams is the one, and I know that there's concern about her lack of having held office. But after Donald Trump becomes president, I don't think that's even a legitimate, like, you can't, cri- that's not a legitimate critique of anyone anymore, right? I don't know, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, I I love both Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris. Uh, I have defended Stacey Abrams when she was being criticized for being very outspoken in her desire to be VP, uh, because so often black women are told uh, to be humble about their ambition. Right, know your place. Completely just deconstructing that entirely or dismantling that. Um, I think you know the, the thing is about the Democratic Party is that we do have higher standards than Republicans. We just do. We, we, we need our folks to be smart, um, experienced, equipped. And I think Stacey Abrams is all those things. I think she is, uh, would make a fantastic VP. However, I'll tell you what, I, I think that she's kind of withdrawn herself from the race, more or less, unofficially. Hmm. Um, she's not made a statement about it, but I've gotten the sense that she's no longer, you know, kind of put herself into contention for the selection. Interesting. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see. And, I mean, I'm with you. I think particularly to have two old white people on the ticket, and I'm not being ageist, but Elizabeth Warren is no spring chicken either, and Biden would be the oldest candidate in history. Um, I, I just think to, to find someone younger who's a woman and a person of color is kind of the only move for him right now. And I, I do hope he chooses um, one of them or another. Uh, you know, there's so many very qualified African-American women who are being considered, and uh, I just hope that whoever it is excites the party and gets people out to vote, or in this case, to mail-in vote. Well, I, I hope that we will be shocked and, and delighted by Stacey Abrams being selected. I, I, would, I would completely welcome it. What do you think our chances are, look like for, for beating Trump, for keeping the House, and for winning back the Senate? You're a Washington insider. Lay your bets. We're taking back. I mean, we're, we're keeping the house. That, that is in the bag. We'll be fine with that. Um, and I, and I, I'll tell you what, if you had asked me a year ago if we were going to take back the Senate, uh, I would not have been optimistic. In fact, I would have probably bet against it. In the last three months, a number of things have happened that have made Democrats actually a favorite to take back the Senate. Now, there are still five months until the election, uh, but most uh, challengers to Republican health seats right now are leading Republicans in the polls head-to-head. Um, I, if I had to make a prediction, uh, if the election were held today, I would say Democrats would go to a 52-48 majority. 
which is great. So hopefully that holds and we do take it back, but I'm feeling really good right now. God, I'm praying. I just, I don't know how much longer we can go on like this with, with this level of corruption and chaos. And, you know, I was thinking about talking to you today about how we were going to be discussing this Supreme Court case, which only happened this past Monday. But these days, you know, the, the news cycle is so fucking insane and so relentless that I forgot about this story. Basically, I looked at my notes and I said, oh, yeah, we got to talk about the Supreme Court decision. It's like it's only it's been less than a week, but like <laughs> 10 other stories have come along to, to push that out of the headlines. It's just I, I can't. I mean, do you remember Super Tuesday now? I, I feel like that was a lifetime ago. Yeah, it really was. I it's can't, crazy I can't times. Keep up. I mean, you know, I've, I've followed news all my life. I was a little news junkie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's just impossible to track now. You know, everything happens at warp speed. And, and there, are, there are big news events that I now miss and my friends will miss because yeah. we just didn't see it in the noise of, every, of everything else. Right. I mean, currently I'm obsessed with Matt Gates and his, his heretofore unknown adopted son, Nestor. To me, that is just the most batshit crazy story of 2020, and that's really saying something. Oh, God. The, the whole situation is just disgusting. I mean, like, I, you know, it, 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 as, as much as I don't like Matt Gates, uh, it is, it, it, I don't find it hard to believe that he may or may not have, you know, helped raise or was a mentor or something or else to this person. But what bothers me is that he brought out this most child of his in order to defend himself against lecturing black people on how they should take care of their children. Right. This was his answer. This was his answer to Black there Lives no Matter. For that. And, and quite frankly, I'm just not. I, I, you know, even even if he were telling the truth, and I'm not sure he is, I just wouldn't feel the need to defend him over it because he's he's, he's he's an asshole. He's a huge racist asshole. Yeah, he's a terrible person. All right, Charlotte, in the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite quiz show, for which I will sing the live bumper. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush? Ooh, Vivica A. Fox. Oh, interesting. Vivica A. Fox. I've I had a th- crush on her since Independence Day when I was 10 years old. I haven't thought about her in a while, but she's a, she's a very beautiful woman. What TV show is your guilty pleasure? Oh, no. Um, oh, I don't... That's a good question. Uh, Gossip Girl. Yeah, uh, probably Gossip Girl. It's so weird that you're saying that. I, so I, ju- really? I just started watching Gossip Girl again from season one, episode one, because every night before I go to bed, I have to put on some stupid show that I won't really pay that much attention to that'll lull me to sleep. And originally, I, I think I only watched the first season or two of Gossip Girls. I, ne- I never really got into it. And so now I'm, like, into season four, and I'm captivated by it. I can't believe how good some of the performances are, as shitty as the material is. Yes, extremely good actors, amazing fashion. I, I, Blair Waldorf is my fashion goal. Like, she's, like yeah. she's how I want to look, essentially. And what a great uh, actor Leighton Meester is. Whatever happened to her? I don't know. It's so weird. You never see her in anything anymore. It's a shame. I, 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 I think they were all that. really good. I mean, Blake Lively obviously has the best post-Gossip Girl career, but they were all pretty damn good. 
Um, and the younger kids They're were really good. They're really good actors and not very good writing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but they elevate the material. Okay, have you ever used condiments in sex? In, in sex? <laughs> yes. Like whip, oh, whip, um, whipped cream, yeah, chocolate, whipped cream, caramel. I've used chocolate sauce. And I think that's it. Is it something you would do again, or was it kind of like a one-time only deal? Um, well, I, I read up on it first. And I got <laughs> of course really you did. Advice, <laughs> I read some really good advice. Only use a little bit. Just don't, don't like overdo it because then it gets really messy, and if you're not into that, then, you know, it's not your thing. Just use a little bit, and that goes a long way. You know, eating and fucking are probably my two favorite things, and it never <laughs> has it occurred to me to combine them in any way. I just don't know. I, I, the, I don't understand what the appeal is, but clearly some people do, and to each their own. I'm not going to eat a double quarter pound, that's for damn sure. That would be a little too much for me, but I, I can do some whipped cream. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what's a lie that you tell all the time? Oh, my goodness. Um, a lie that I tell all the time. Probably probably my weight, to be honest with you. When do people um, ask you your it's weight? It's not because I mean to lie. It's more that I just don't know my weight because I don't track it. And I'm always surprised when I weigh myself. I'm at the doctor's, and they tell me it. And I'm like, oh, that's definitely not what I thought it was. But that's not so much a lie. I mean, it's not like you're going around broadcasting your weight, right? Who talks about that? I'm not. I'm really not. But also, I'm, I'm pretty honest by default. So, <laughs> well, I've definitely gained the uh, the the Corona fifteen. There's no question. Do you think that? I, I think I've had like a Trump era bump. I've probably gained at least fifteen pounds since he became president. I mean, I think anyone who's not you know fully injecting heroin at this point is doing okay. Like we we're doing what we need to do. <laughs> To, to soothe ourselves and get us through this. Do you believe that Mike Pence owns a ball gag? Ooh, good question. Um, <laughs> Is it really a good no, question? I don't. <laughs> I, think anyone, I think anyone who is getting really good sex would not be as just uptight and, you know, persnickety and just awful as he is. I agree. He's definitely not having a good time in life, one way or the other. Um, okay, which, this is my favorite question, which other LGBTQ activist would you most like to bang? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> only because, only because, you know, to be honest, I haven't had that conversation with any LGBTQ activists that I would want to bang, and I would want to make sure I have their consent to say their name. You know, that's a very respectful attitude. It's never stopped. See, it's never stopped me from saying like, "I want to bang Jake Gyllenhaal." Like, I don't, I don't check in with Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal first and make sure I have his consent to say that. I'd want to bang you, Adam. How about that? Ooh, I like it. I didn't know that you were into guys, though. <laughs> Wait, say that again. I didn't know you were into guys, though. I'm not, but, you know, I'll try it. I, I think you've learned it with your podcast. Wow, I'm really flattered. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> finally, Charlotte Clymer, do you have any aspirations for public office yourself someday? No, and I'll tell you why. I, I am a, I'm a bitch. Um, I, if I were at a campaign rally and, you know, this, conservative white dude stood up and asked me just a ridiculous clownish question, a smart politician would know how to answer it in a way that's respectful 
and I would call them a fucking clown to their face. See, I would love to see that, and I would vote for you because of that. <laughs> I think we need more well, of that. For the meantime, I'll be supporting uh, some, you know, former qualified and less temperamental uh, women who are. There you go. Charlotte Clymer, how can people follow you on the interwebs? Well, I am at CM Clymer, C-M-C-L-Y-M-E-R, on Twitter. And uh, if you just plug my name into Facebook, feel free to find a question. We can, you know, keep, keep connected that way, too. And Charlotte has one of my favorite Twitter feeds. I, I basically go to Charlotte first every day to see what's going on in the country and how she feels about it. Thank you so much for being on here. I adore you. Be well. Be healthy. Um, I hope there's a lot of whipped cream and chocolate sauce in your future. Thank you, darling. And everyone, wear your mask and don't be a racist. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, babe. Thank you, too. You have a good day. You, too. I also want to thank JB for putting this together every week. I want to thank all of you for listening. I love and appreciate you so much. Next Saturday, tune in to hear a brand new ass You guys, I'm thinking of doing something a little strange. I think there's going to be an episode that only airs for DNR subscribers and never makes it to uh, the public, the the general non-paying public. There's a reason for this. I'm not just trying to be a bitch, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com so that you never, ever miss an episode and that you get to hear them live and the first week that they uh, premiere. Don't forget to buy all of your ass merchandise at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram, at adamsank. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Um, happy Pride. I love you guys. Stay safe. Have a great week, bitches. Bye.